Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Woman podcast, where I reveal the power of your heart to create leadership impact and cultivate confidence for the life you want. I'm your host, Glyn Bailey, and as a corporate finance leader, executive coach, entrepreneur, and author, I know all too well the challenges that prevent female leaders from claiming their seat at the table. In this podcast, I talk all things to do with self-leadership, sharing stories, insights, and guidance on how to ultimately get out of your own way to live a life in alignment with who you are. When you begin to see the impact that you can have, no matter where you are starting on your journey, life becomes one huge adventure. I'm so excited that you are sharing your journey to Unstoppable with me. So let's dive right in. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. Today's guest is Rachel Keeley. She is the founder of the Women's Self-Defense Network. Rachel is also a podcast host, a speaker, a mama of two boys and a huge chocolate lover. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Rachel because we talked a lot about her journey to starting her business, the Women's Self-Defense Network, how she, as she was growing up, lacked confidence and tried her hardest to feel invisible to now essentially being a speaker, being on stage, running seminars and helping women protect themselves. Such a phenomenal interview. And as you listen, you'll hear how passionate Rachel is about the subject and so many good insights about what self-protection is, not just about the physical aspects, but the mental aspects of self-protection. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode as much as I did phenomenal lady and I know you'll enjoy. Hey Rachel so lovely to have you on the show I'm really excited for this conversation I've followed your work for the last oh 18 months and it's just so exciting now to see talk finally. I know thanks so much Glyn thanks so much for having me yes it's um very excited to be on here today <laughs> oh you're most welcome Rachel I always start off the interviews with getting my guests to share a little bit about themselves can you share a little bit more about you and your journey so far yeah uh, I guess well my what I'm actually doing is I run um, women's self-defense seminars and workshops but I guess you could say my actual self-defense journey started probably about 20 years ago when I met my husband and it's actually funny we met over in Thailand yet we lived a suburb away from each other back here in Melbourne which is really crazy um and yeah and he was heavily into martial arts and that was something that I'd never really got into I'd never even thought about to be honest I was um when we met I was actually just starting my web design business I left the corporate, I guess you could say, structure. And I thought I wanted to go out on my own. And yeah, and he was, um, he actually works on aircraft parts, but his huge passion is martial arts. And he'd been training for such a long time. And I think at the time he'd just gone for his second dan in Taekwondo. And he was starting to teach me a lot about, I guess, the self-defense systems within Taekwondo. And I got really interested in all of that side. And I guess a big part of my interest probably came from growing up with really low confidence. Um, It's something that I'm still working on today. It's been a journey. I feel so much more confident today than what I used to. But when I was younger, I was one of those people who would 
sit in, you know, the back row and just want to be invisible, whether it's in the classroom or sit in the back row of the bus, or I'd walk around looking at the ground, picturing I was in some kind of bubble that um, prevented anyone from, you know, coming near me. And, you know, I'd almost be like invisible, I guess you could say. So I didn't like confrontation, anything like that. And I guess so when I started to learn from my husband in regards to martial arts, I started to ask him a lot of stuff, you know, in regards to how I protect myself, because I guess that's something I hadn't thought of in that physical sense. But for me, it was always just about looking invisible. Like, how can I make myself seem invisible so that I wouldn't become a target? And I guess over the years, you know, he was learning from experts all around the world, um, training in so many different forms of martial arts. He started to really teach me a lot of things. And I started, I guess, feeling like I had a lot more confidence in regards to, okay, now I've got something to go to. And it very much was the physical side. So we were very much, um, you know, if somebody was to attack you like this, we would do this. And yeah, so I guess I started to really take quite an interest when we were, when I first met him. I had absolutely no interest in going to do martial arts in general as far as get a belt or go and compete or anything like that. He would just be learning things and I'd be like, okay, what can you, what can you teach me about having, you know, feeling safer on the streets? And that is sort of where my whole focus was. So over the years, you know, he was learning more and more things and I guess, um, the more I probably started to learn, I did, like I said, feel confident. But there was actually a period too when um, I guess you could say maybe about eight years ago, we started to shift our focus from the physical side of self-defense. And he was starting to learn a lot more about the things we can do to prevent the violence altogether. And then this was something that I was really, really interested in because I just thought, you know, you're probably the same. Like as a female, I feel like we're at a disadvantage, you know, especially coming up against somebody who could be so much larger, um, you know, and I just always felt like I was always going to be at a disadvantage basically. So I started to focus myself too on learning more and more about what we could actually do, understanding the mind of the predator more and understanding what they're actually looking for. And it was through this journey, I guess you could say, that I also started to realise that the way I was trying to protect myself, and I knew no, no different when I was younger, was probably putting myself in a position to become a target, I guess you could say. The things I was doing was really setting myself up to be a target, but until you know any different, you just go to your own, what you think is actually right. So at any point, we're not doing anything wrong. We're just doing what we know. And so I guess I was learning all of this amazing information and I was sharing it with my friends and family. And the whole time still, I was running my web design business. So this sort of didn't start to become a um, something I even thought about as far as a business at that stage. Um and then probably about, oh, it was probably about seven years ago, we were part owners in a gym, a Krav Maga gym. And at the time I was like, it was purely more the physical. My husband was still teaching some of the mental side within the class as well. Um, but in the back of my mind, there was just this burning desire to want to have like a women's section. I just felt like, you know, as women, we're not sort of um, getting a access to this information. Like I, I know when I was looking around, there wasn't a lot of information about the mental side of 
self-defense, which uh, I believe now is probably about 90% of self-defense and the physical sides that 10%. So there's so much more that we can actually focus on. And so I guess um, uh, I was, we were really busy with the Krav Maga gym and I just didn't have time. I was doing a lot of the, because my background was kind of design and marketing. I have a degree in advertising. And so I sort of focused so much on that, but I just kept making notes and started building things behind the scenes thinking, oh, one day I'd really love to have like a women's sort of network, a sort of an area for women to be able to come and get this information. And then we had a bit of a break from the other gym. It was becoming very we were very heavily involved and it was probably too much work. Um, there were other parties, but I guess maybe it wasn't split as evenly. And so we had a bit of a break and I thought, okay, this is my time. I was looking to get out of the um, web design business that I'd had as well because I just sort of had that for such a long time, especially when I was having my kids and I was like, oh, I want to get away from the desk. <laughs> and so it was in June 2018. Um, that year in particular, I don't know what it was. It just seemed like we were waking up a lot and hearing of women being attacked, whether it would be um, raped or even murdered. And it was just breaking my heart. I just, it was, um, I was just, yeah, very consuming as it is for everybody hearing these stories. And I just thought I have to, I just felt like I needed to get this information out there. I just thought I wanted women to feel a bit more empowered about their safety. And, um, you know, I just think the more I can share with them, then the more that I can sort of um, arm them, I guess you could say, because at the end of the day, we're, we're never doing anything wrong. What well, you know, we don't ask for anything that happens to us in that fashion. So it's really hard, you know, we can only, once again, only can do our best when it comes to our safety. But I just, I really thought that, okay, well, maybe I can get something out there that's going to give someone that extra, um, you know, that extra knowledge, make them feel a bit more empowered about their safety, help them with their choices when it comes to their safety. And, you know, and hopefully I can work towards seeing, oh God, I want to see zero numbers when it comes to women being attacked, but, you know, we need to get the numbers down in general. So, that's when I started the Women's Self-Defence Network back in June 2018. And the response we had, like obviously like any business, you start off small um, and we were just, yeah, people were loving the information because it was so different. Like it wasn't, I know quite often if you look up self-defence, you're going to see a poster and it's usually going to be very physical based. Like there'll be somebody with a choke um, or some sort of, you know, attack happening. And I just remember thinking, um, you know, this is this is not a, a sort of a true representation of exactly what self-defense is. There is so much more. And like we were just discussing a moment off before our recording, um, you know, I would meet people at parties and I'd be chatting to them and they'd be like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I run a, you know, women's self-defense business. And we have seminars and workshops and they're like, oh, I'd love to do that. But, you know, I've got a bad back or I've got a bad knee. And I'm like, oh, that you don't need, that doesn't come into play when it comes to how I can empower you with your safety. And so we've actually had, um, these women would come and do our course and they absolutely love it and feel so empowered. And they'd report back, you know, I was able to use this technique and all of that. And 
because we are very much focused on avoiding the violence altogether. Like there are so many things that we can do in our day-to-day life where we can actually put things in place so that we're not actually putting ourselves in those in that danger, I guess you could say. And and they're not, we're not asking people to make major changes to their life. It's really just navigating it a bit differently and and you know, being more alert at the right times of the day. So yeah, it's yeah. Wow. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, no. I feel like I've just gone on no, and on. <laughs> I deliberately stayed quiet. Like, I just wanted to see your thinking and the journey and how that unfolds. And I think sometimes it's easy to interject and, and go, oh, I want to ask this question, but I want to see you. <laughs> and it's just, that's quite the journey and, and just how it, how it opens up from meeting your husband, having an interest for yourself, which I want to sort of dive into a little bit around yeah. your own sort of, desire for being invisible and the confidence piece but then changing it into a shift in business and that's quite a a very different business from the graphic design uh, website business to to then doing self-defense and and also the recognition that it's so much more than physical you know being more mentally focused on the avoidance rather than how to deal with it in the moment so actually protection strategies that never put you in danger in the first place because you've got you've got the awareness so oh gosh there's loads I want to unpack <laughs> in that. But no can I can I take you back to just your your journey when you wanted to be invisible at that time yes what was it about the environment or your experience at that time that said this is the right way for me to be operating in my life that that hiding and not being seen yeah, I guess, um, I don't know, I was never one to like centre of attention. I didn't like to be caught off guard. Um, I'm probably, like I mentioned earlier, a little bit of a control freak. And I think part of that, I think that felt like maybe me being invisible, I was controlling the situation. Well, that's what I thought I was doing anyway, like by, you know, looking at the ground, not making eye contact. So for me, eye contact represented that I'm inviting that um, communication, I guess you could say, from strangers. And I just remember thinking, well, I don't want that. I almost just want to be able to go walking down the street with my head down, my body language kind of really turning inwards as if to say, please don't talk to me. Everything I'm giving you is telling you not to talk to me. So that's kind of where that mentality sort of came from. I guess even from school, I was quite shy. Um, It was that being embarrassed was probably something that I can probably think of one word that sort of summed up when I was at school. I was always embarrassed about saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. It's that whole control thing, once again, uh, that level of perfection, which, you know, I've one of those other things I've struggled through, you know, maybe not completing something because I'm always trying to perfect it and it has to be perfect. And so maybe putting those pressures on myself, I would I'd be quite embarrassed. So I would almost feel like, well, if the teacher asked me something, what if I said the wrong thing and it was embarrassing and then I had everyone looking at me. So it was all of like my worst fears coming together. So I would almost want to just feel invisible as if like, please don't ask me, please don't ask me, please don't ask me to answer that question. (laughs) So because, you know, it was once again, I would want it to be perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, then I'd rather say nothing, like, you know, to avoid that embarrassment, I guess you could say. And how has the work that you've done now with the Women's Self-Defence Network helped you see that actually 
trying to be invisible wasn't the strategy that was going to help you succeed. Yes. Oh my goodness. You know what? The funny part was, the funniest part was, so I was so excited about this business and I was so excited about getting the information out there that I hadn't actually thought about what that entailed. So I remember in June, I launched my Instagram page, started putting posts up. Uh, We started, you know, putting all this information out there to do webinar, um, Uh, seminars and workshops and then we got our first gig and I remember thinking oh my god what have I done I've actually combined my absolute worst fear of public speaking um, to getting up and now having to present in front of people and like my my fear for public speaking was horrendous I actually had a girlfriend who invited me to read at her wedding and I said no I said there's no way in hell I'm getting up reading at your wedding because I'll just be a complete mess. I'll ruin your day. I'm like, you're going to have to ask someone else. So um, it was, yeah, I guess look, there was one period in my life where I felt quite confident and that was when I studied advertising at uni and because we had to get up and pitch campaigns all the time. We had an actual subject called presentation. And I guess over the time, because you were just doing it, it's like anything, you know, you know, the more you practice it, the better you get. So In the early days, I was petrified, but then we just did it so much. And then I got really comfortable. But once again, too, like any skill you don't use, after a period of time, you start to lose that. And that was that confidence once again. So I remember being at, um, I was at the Parents and Friends Association on the board at school um, for my kids' school. And they would get up and I was head of fundraising and they'd get up and they'd be asking okay Rachel can you get up and talk about you know the latest fundraising I'm like I can't but I can get somebody else to so it was just something that was continually probably keeping me back and so when I started this business it became a real shock and I think there was one moment where I turned around and I thought to myself you know what I have to get over myself I have to remember that this what I'm actually teaching is so much bigger than me. So I just have to get up there and say it because what I have to say is really important and I have to forget about how I feel in that moment. Like I'm really excited to be able to share all this information with people, but, you know, it. I can't let this one thing get in the way. And it was one of those things too. So I just started to push myself out of my comfort zone in little bits. And I think my confidence grew from that. And then the same with like even um, all the social media side of the business, you know, when stories came in and everyone's like, oh, I've got to do a story. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to camera. (laughs) So it was um, another little learning curve. I remember putting that off for a while. And I remember doing like 500 takes before I was ready to put it live. And and yeah so good and like having them oh. go viral like I've seen I've seen yes on my reels, <laughs> reels. yes yes they've, they've yeah. been incredible but I think yeah. what you're saying there is is just it's so important just to to pause for a minute minute and just acknowledge the journey that you've taken to recognize that your your fear may potentially prevent you from helping another woman save her life right and when you realize that your purpose is so much greater than than yourself then it becomes the the driving force that pull that does keep you on track to go actually like me being scared of speaking like is that a rational fear or is it an irrational fear and is this 
is this really something that I can't move past or or maybe can I take baby steps and try and a little bit each day that just is that encouragement as we would do with children in their learning journeys to say how can we encourage them to take the small steps that actually end up being really big steps yeah absolutely and and even through that whole journey and like you mentioned earlier too um you're asking about how now you know going from that invisible Mm. state to where I am now so the things I've learned through self-defense um is that eye contact is a huge part when it comes to self-defense because when we, um, if you're thinking from a predator's point of view, they're very much wanting to get you with the element of surprise. That is all part of their tactic. So we tell people to make eye contact with people and not to stare or to really, um, you know, hone in on them, but you're basically glancing at them to let them know, hey, I've seen you. So I I know where you are now. I'm keeping my eye on you, but you know, I'm not staring and it kills that element of surprise. And that is such an important thing when it comes to your safety. And now I understand too, there, we've had, you know, a lot of people say, I just physically cannot make eye contact. And I understand that because that was something that took a long time for me when I was younger. Um, But so we tell people to look even just at their face in general, like at their chin or even better, look at their hands. Hands very much give away people's intentions, whether they look like they're concealing something or they're covered or maybe there's one hand behind the back, all that kind of stuff. But just to be glancing at those people, your people in their direction, because it is letting them know okay, I have seen you, I'm aware of where you are, because that is a big part of a predator's process is to be able to get you, you know, if you are looking down at your phone, they're going to choose somebody who looks very distracted and unaware of what's happening around them, basically. So, And we see so much of that now, don't oh, we? Like we do. Phones all the time. And I've been guilty of it. And you just think, gosh, you know, if I'm not that in lockdown life, we're getting out much in the, <laughs> in the evening. But not much is happening. Yeah. yeah but certainly prior to that you know there's just this sort of view that everything's okay because we're not in this world where safety like I feel certainly Sydney feels like a really safe city but that doesn't mean you are safe all of the time yes. and that you, you don't need to be vigilant and that you have to take responsibility for whether you're putting yourself in harm's way or or not. And I think we do sometimes get certainly complacent with, oh, everything's all right. You know, I live in a safe neighborhood and therefore this, this, this is not likely to happen to me. But I'm sure every person that's been harmed would never have thought it would ever happen to them either. Absolutely. And, and one of the hardest things that's happened now, and we got a lot of people contacting us when we first started going into lockdown was when the masks became something to wear because it takes away so many of the facial expressions that we're used to reading in people. I mean, I can barely identify my friends these days. I had a girlfriend the other day that had a beanie on, sunglasses and her mask. And I was like, hang on, is that her? Is that really her? And I'm like, you feel like you just, you don't know people and you can't read people. And so I've found that the world has become a lot less friendly when you're out walking because people are wearing masks and everyone's you know, there's so much going on, you know, when we are out and about, we're trying to social distance. We're trying to, we almost look at each other as if like, okay, I don't want to be anywhere near you because maybe you've got COVID or did that person just cough? Like it's, we're really, um, 
it does seem very unfriendly it doesn't we don't feel very connected and the mask played a huge part of that so I I pop on my social media occasionally just to remind people to still make eye contact even if you're wearing a mask and um you know and a lot of you know I, I just put my hand up to wave to people to say hi because you know sometimes I say it verbally and they can't hear but it's just to I still are very much like walking past people and saying hi and I'm trying to keep it friendly even though it feels like we're in a very unfriendly environment at the moment and it's not you know we've all just we've got all we feel like we've got this guard on at the moment um based on what's happening and yeah so yeah oh gosh this is fascinating and I think this is part of what I'm realizing is that we don't know what we don't know because if we're yes. not giving this time and thought or energy then the ability to plan and protect ourselves as we need to it, it's just isn't not even on the radar until like you're in the moment and then it's like what do I do what do I do now what has been the most challenging part of the journey that you've been on in in this transitioning from your graphic design business to Women's After Defence Network and I know you've mentioned the having to do public speaking but aside from sort of the fear around being seen what's been the hardest to observe through all of the relationships that you've been building with with women that are coming to you and, and sharing stories and, and and your learnings that come from that? Yeah I guess it is Part of it is hearing the stories um, because we do get a lot of people contacting us, especially when we put up some information, um, you know, people would, uh, you know, share share their experiences and say, oh, thank God, you know, I, I'm really glad I know this now. And, and it's heartbreaking hearing people's stories, um, you know, and I even had a lady, I'll never forget, I had a lady write to me and I put up something, uh, it might have been a physical demonstration even, and she wrote to me and said, oh, I really wish I knew I hadn't known how to do this so many years ago and then I wouldn't have been raped. And I just, it's really hard because, um, you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm so glad I'm able to help them with information now, but it's just really hard, you know, knowing what the right thing to say is even sometimes, you know, I, I, I can't, it's hard heartbreaking to think that they've even gone through these experiences and um so that has definitely been one side that's been really probably just hard hearing people's stories um and then I'm you know and then the other side is that we also get so many people being very thankful for the information it seems to have traveled so far around the world um I get so many like my actual audience I've only got 18 percent of my audience is in Australia the rest are around the world so 50 wow. percent uh in the US um and then I've got India I've got so many little people so many little places contacting me you know thanking me for their just for the knowledge because it is I just found that when I did start this there's not a lot of this kind of knowledge out there you know just telling people to reverse their car because it gives them a much better chance if they need to get away quickly then you know you're already ready to go and it's so much planning like it's it's not major planning like I said but you're just telling people to reverse their car instead of driving straight in it's just little things but um yeah yeah, so I guess it is quite often a lot of people after a seminar will come and share their journeys and their stories um the other hard part is that uh and it is sad that a lot of the time people actually come to us once something's happened um they'll say you know or even if they know of something that's 
that happened to somebody else. They, I quite often get contacted saying, oh, you know, one of our staff um, was attacked in the car park last night. We'd love you to come in and do a session for all of our staff. And, you know, and, and unfortunately it is really heartbreaking when you know it's off the back of something else happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just hoping that people are talking and sharing the information. I know a lot of people, um, you know, just from the stats that I get back from social media, a lot of it does get shared, which is really good. Cause I just, I just figure the more that people know, the more that they can arm themselves with this information so that they can navigate their day differently. Um, and like I said, not major changes, but just in a way that's going to set them up to be a little bit more um, protected when it comes to their safety. Yeah, absolutely. Especially given it is such a, it's a global reaching issue Mm -hmm. and there are, you know, countries that are significantly less safe than Australia. So I can, I can understand why those, those metrics would look different for Australia versus um, the States or or other Mm -hmm. regions like India. But the issue is still important for all of us to take, to take note of. If you were thinking about what you would want as your as your vision for the women's self-defense network what would that what would that be where where is the the focus for you guys at the moment so with the next phase because um we are at the moment like the it is a mobile service so we do drive out to people's businesses um or if it's a group of mums or i mean we had a, a mums and daughters netball group like we get so many different groups so we've been able to sort of um, facilitate our area. We have been flown into state for bigger companies, um, but we would love to get it out to everyone. So that's why we're currently developing an online course. And this has been a baby project that I've been working on for quite some time. And COVID's had a little bit of um, inject- <laughs> injected it's, uh, delay, I guess you could. Yeah, that's yeah. the best way to describe it. But um, so I would just love to get it out globally. I'd love to get this information out and to empower as many people as possible so that they've got sort of these tools. Like I just think it's all... Um, I like to refer to it as planting the seed. So the more that we can plant in people's minds, the more they've got as a go-to if they need to in that moment. And that is sort of what I'm hoping all the social media does. Um, You know, quite often people will contact us and say, oh, I saw your story when you did this. And then, you know what, this happened the other day and I was able to do this and it worked. And so it's just even learning something like people will recall something that we said and it's all about, yeah, just literally getting the information out there and the course will deliver a whole picture. So it's going to have understanding the minds of the predator, then how do we, what we can do to not become a target. Then I have like a whole section um, dedicated towards a day in the life. So how we would actually navigate a typical day I guess you could say in the safest way possible Mm. and then we've got the physical side because while that's a small part it's still a part that is important that we need to um you know have an understanding about so if we do we can't be perfect either so there are going to be times when we're not situationally aware and we could find ourselves in a situation so but I think you're right about the the recall that happens when you've seen a snippet of a reel, a story, or you know had a video video that you've watched and you've gone, oh, okay, I remember this now. Somewhere in your subconscious, it's planted, and like I like what you say, it's the seed. So it's 
it's underneath the soil at the moment and if you're tending to it you're watering to it when the time's right it will need to sprout up into the light and you go oh yeah now that's come into action and I can see exactly what I need it to do um because it is it's incredibly powerful and I think the more and I've I've been fascinated by your stories hence why I said oh geez watching your journey and seeing that the videos come out and the reels because they are their moments of oh yes like you know that remember you're doing the doorstop one and taking yes. that with you whenever you travel I'm like oh what an easy thing just to have as a safety mechanism if you are staying in a in a different hotel or, or somewhere that's you know unfamiliar for you to just to be able to protect yourself with the smallest of tips and I thought yeah these these micro tips add up to to something that ultimately could save your life if you if you are in those circumstances where there is danger absolutely yeah and like that's what I was saying there they are just little things but once you put them in place it adds that another level of defense and that's all we're doing is just putting these layers of defense there so that we can give ourselves that buffer against violence and uh, do whatever we can to actually avoid getting to that actual absolutely so now that you've worked through your your from a confidence perspective and you mentioned that you're still it's still work in progress if I was to ask you what would Rachel being unstoppable look like what what would it mean to you <laughs> um oh do you know yeah because I mean I talk we talk a lot about confidence especially in our course with Tina um on her empire builder and I guess you know for me to actually be up on stage delivering to a really massive audience and feeling in my space that I would be so comfortable in doing that then yes that's kind of like my end goal. I mean, like I said, I want to get this information out to everyone. And my confidence journey has just come so far. Like my friends that know me from way, way back, they would be thinking, I think they're in shock really to think what I'm actually doing today. Cause I'm so out of my comfort zone. I couldn't be any more out of my comfort zone. If I tried even doing the reels, I feel like I have to almost add a little level of stupidity to it. Like, like make it funny because if I try to make it serious then or too serious then it's just too much for me like I I probably use humor a little bit trying to get myself through those uncomfortable stages and I also like to add humor because it is a very serious topic so I'd like it to be memorable so if it is a little bit silly then hopefully it'll be something that is easy to remember because it was memorable opposed to just being spoken about in a really monotone kind of way so um but as far as being unstoppable would just I guess from a confidence perspective would be asked to be able to do anything and you know be able to deliver without those intense nerves and (laughs) everything that I've had over the past yeah I guess you know being able I I think to myself not that you know it's I mean look who knows it may or may not happen one day down the track but if live tv being on live tv would just be probably at the moment my worst nightmare but then from it would also be my goal for as far as being the absolute unstoppable me I guess you could say so that definitely needs to be on your vision board because even more viral than the ones that you've had already go and I can imagine this taking off so getting that course done hopefully yes. covid plays ball and gives gives oh. us some light relief to be able to get the filming done so that you can get that program out there because i think it's going to be 
an incredibly valuable value support system for for others and and just for yourself as well because the journey that you've gone from is going right I'm going from being invisible to having to be very visible to be able to access the impact that I want to make in the world and I think that's when I look at the work that I do with women it's exactly the same journey it's a sense of you know rather than questioning who are we not to do this it's like well mm-hmm. of course we are those women to actually step stand up you know step out be seen face those fears but recognizing that actually the difference we can make if we were to all step into our confidence and the impact we can make on others for for the greater good is so so worth the uh, the butterflies the nerves the oh. wanting to be sick moments <laughs> absolutely and there's just been so much personal growth like I think I've done so much more now in my life that I would have ever done if I hadn't have said yes to things and I remember reading um, Emma Isaac's book, Winging It, and uh, there's somewhere she wrote in it about just saying yes and you work out the rest later. Like if it's something that you want to do, but it's only nerves holding you back, just say yes. And then you've got time to plan. And and I think I've been doing a lot more of that and I'll say yes. And then I'll just go, oh my God, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? <laughs> and then, you know, it is, it's all just part of the journey and the planning and and it's just, yeah, so much personal growth comes from pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And I have had experiences now and met people that I would not necessarily have ever met had I have sat in my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But even though it is uncomfortable in those moments, and we talk a lot when it comes to self about self-defense, about feeling comfortable when you're uncomfortable. So because you want to be able to, um, in that moment where, you know, you are confronted with some potential danger, you want to be able to sit a little bit comfortably with it, which sounds very odd because you're going to be anything but comfortable, but to give yourself that moment to be able to focus and breathe and make the choices that you need to make. So we too say it is good to push yourself out of your comfort zone. So you've got that experience of knowing how to deal with that feeling. Yeah. And coming out the other side of it, like even just with little things like doing a story or a reel or filming yourself for something they're just little things that keep building on that confidence so and confidence is huge in self-defense like that is one of the biggest things we talk about walking with confidence um you know once again it's not something that a predator is looking for they don't want someone that they think is going to fight back or use their voice or you know is going to create a scene in that moment they are looking for someone quite vulnerable so and I know myself, like I've mentioned, it, it is a journey. I, it's one thing to say to people, okay, you just need to be confident when you're out walking. and But it's something that, you know, we just need to work on and do the best you can. So, yeah. And yeah. I think it's so powerful what you just said there. And it, it takes me, it links back to some of the, the negotiation consulting that I do is this sense of like when you're in a high stressful environment, like negotiation can be, or obviously in a, in a, in an environment where there is danger that you, you're potentially physically likely to be in harm's way is that's an incredible amount of stress that your body's then under. But the discomfort of that feeling and to be able to recognize that feeling, but still be able to choose behaviors that support your success become paramount. Like in a negotiation, if you let the discomfort of asking for what's needed and, and negotiating hard for maximizing value for, for your business. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable because we like as humans to be fair. We like to be liked. We like to 
have all of these values that want us to be seen as as good people and and sometimes in those environments you have to be something different to secure secure the outcome that you want and that that discomfort it's like oh I don't know I don't know about this but to your point if you practice more of that oh this is what my body's going to feel like but instead of my my natural reaction which might be to withdraw or to go oh I don't that's too scary it's too dangerous I'm not going to explore that 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 new way of working or that new way of being your body's slowly getting used to that discomfort so it doesn't have the same physiological response that's triggered without you having that space I think that pause to be able to choose to be able to choose your response because you've become aware of that discomfort isn't it isn't immediately triggering your flight or fight it's the oh okay I'm prepared for this I know what this feeling is and now Mm. I can do something about it because I've practiced so I think that's incredibly incredibly important is to sit with that discomfort and know that actually that discomfort could save your life in your case with the work that you do very very clearly if you are getting used to that discomfort and practicing things that aren't aren't your natural comfort zone because you're right oh absolutely yeah. yeah, and that's why we encourage people to, to go and do at least something physical. So yeah. um, we quite often say to people, even just to go and do a couple of boxing classes because it's that moment. Say you've, like, I've got sisters. I haven't grown up with, you know, a brother where, you know, we used to wrestle or anything like that. So for a lot of women, we haven't had a lot of contact with our bodies in regards to slightly a physical, you know, response, that physical um feeling so it's really good to go and train in a safe environment in a boxing gym where maybe you are going to cop a little knock here and there while you're training but it's something that you're used to not so much used to but you've it's not the first time that you've yeah you've experienced it and then it's not the first time that you ever experience it if you find yourself in an encounter where there is some violence and so that is really important just to be able to understand what that feeling is like because the first time you get hit you're like hang on a minute that, that didn't feel good at all, but it's knowing what that feeling is like and it not being the first time that is quite important. So it's really good to go and, you know, do a little bit of training, find something you enjoy. It might even be Brazilian jiu-jitsu or, but a lot of those things where you're having people um, make contact with you in a, you know, in a way that you're not used to. And especially with boxing, it's great to learn how the correct way to punch and like we do definitely, um, also focus on palm striking, but it is just really good to take a few knocks in a safe environment where, and I'm not talking about big knocks, I'm just talking about somebody, you know, just feeling that impact on your body because it's not something we go around doing almost ever. Like (laughs) if you didn't do it in a gym, you're probably not really, you know, you're not going to go up to your girlfriends and start whacking them on the shoulder and go, hey, how you going? (laughs) (laughs) Unless that's your thing. But um, yeah, so it is good just to, it's one of those, another one of those things where it's really good to experience it just so that you know what that feeling is like so that, um, yeah, your body doesn't go into absolute complete shock. I mean, look, your body's going to be going through a cocktail of things if you found yourself in a violent encounter, but it's just good if you have had some experience of feeling impact, um, you know, understanding how your body works, the weapons you've got at your disposal, all that kind of stuff. So it is really good to like you said go into those more absolutely moments of discomfort yeah oh fantastic and Rachel what next for you in terms of your personal journey where are you taking yourself onwards from you've got 
such a, a keen focus on the Women's Self-Defence Network. How are you continuing to level up your your confidence and your your focus going forward? Well, actually, it's all been very recent, <laughs> but um, yes, I'll definitely be continuing to just do as much as I can for the women's self-defense to get that out to as many people as possible. But on a personal journey, I've actually just signed myself up to become an accredited life coach, which I'm so excited about because I just have this real purpose and passion, probably very similar to yourself, to want to help people. And I've just always been a real people person. I love chatting to people. I love problem solving with people. And this sort of just kind of clicked. And I thought, I don't know what I'm waiting for. I just, so I'm kind of doing this on the side as well as my women's self-defense. Uh, it'll probably be a couple of years. And then I definitely want to be able to do more with that as well and help people on their journeys to be able to achieve their goals and make big changes in their lives. So that's sort of like my next phase, which I'm so excited about. Oh, fantastic. And so much comes from that personally as well, right? As, you, as you're learning these new modalities, you're sort of going through the process of your own sort of self-coaching, your own self-leadership. And that brings so much wealth of knowledge for what you do with the Women's Self-Defense Networks. It just heightens your ability to support and really really hold space for people as they find their way for not only prevention but also recovery from any any harm that they've experienced so oh I'm yeah really, I'm so excited yeah, <laughs> like your, your online program could morph into being something that's so such a container for people to go right you know not only can I educate myself but I've actually got some real clarity about what I'm going to do next and, and the life that I'm going to create for myself so Oh, so exciting, Rachel. Yes. <laughs> where, where do people find you? How can they get hold of you and get, get access either to your program or the seminars that you mentioned? Yeah, so uh, the best probably place, I mean, we have a website, which is probably easiest for people to get us, um, which is wsdn.com.au pretty much everything links off from there. We do provide a lot of information on our Instagram account. That's where you'll find our little tips with our reels and all of those bits and pieces. Uh, but yeah, through the website, you can look at the different services we offer. Hopefully it won't be long and we'll have the online course up there as well, which is very exciting. Uh, but yeah, basically, look, people message me through all avenues. I get people sending me messages through um, Instagram DMs or we're on Facebook as well. So, yeah, there's many ways you can find us. And uh, oh, fantastic. yeah, I'll put them all in the show notes so that you can be reached because I just think the work that you do. Thank you. <laughs> and I just want to say thank you so much for coming on this show. It's just my pleasure. I've loved it. <laughs> get to hear your journey and hear more about what's inspired you and where you're going next. Thank yes, you. Yes. No, thank you so much, Glinta. Catch up soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Unstoppable Woman podcast. The path to the future you want leads from your heart. If you got value from this podcast, please leave a review and share it with another woman who you know would benefit from it too. We need more women claiming their seats at the table. Until next time, live your truth and be unstoppable.